Good, okay. So I discovered this morning that um, I'm the reason that big earrings aren't allowed on the outfit list for speakers, because apparently they clink a lot, so <laughs> making my mark everywhere I go. Um, also, a little note on the Commission Festival thing, bring earplugs. That is key. That will really help you out. Um, so... For our, te- for our 2023 teaching series, we are looking at the kingdom of God. And for the next set of talks, we're exploring kingdom people and what we believe to be foundational characteristics of um, those who walk with Jesus. And this week, we are looking at the topic of trust. Um, so a few years ago, I went to Nepal and um, I ended up in a small resort in the mountains at one point. It was just kind of a couple of days to rest. And I decided to sign up for canyoning. And I thought, for some reason, that canyoning was like maybe going and exploring some caves. Because I'm, I'm not afraid of the dark, I'm not afraid of caves. And what, I'm, what I am afraid of is falling. That is my fear. I have a big fear of falling. And um, when they put the harness on me and the helmet, I started to realise that maybe what I hadn't signed up for was a walk in a cave. Um, and as they took me up, past a waterfall, then another waterfall, then another waterfall, um, they explained what we'd actually be doing and that we'd be basically abseiling down waterfalls. Um, so <laughs> that was fun. Um, so, so basically they said to us, what you have to do is you lean back and you just walk and you trust the rope. You don't, you don't hold onto the rope, you let it go and the rope will gradually release you. I, I did not believe them. So I <laughs> walked backwards holding onto this rope for dear life, ending up with really raw hands. And it was only when I got past the third waterfall I thought, okay, the rope's holding so far. Like, let go of one hand. I was like, okay, I'm still alive, this is good. I let go of the other one. And I was just like, oh, this is so much easier. And um, it just made me realise that I wish I trusted the rope. I wish I believed that I could trust something other than my own control in that situation. And, um, but trust isn't easy, especially when fear is involved. Whether that's fear of loss, failure, rejection, death, or any of those things, trust means conf- putting your confidence in a person or thing outside of yourself, believing they will not fail you or hurt you. Trust is pushing through fear to a place of faith. Um, So who and what do we trust? We put our trust in cars, that when we're driving 70 miles an hour down a motorway, they're not going to suddenly explode as we're driving. We put our trust in aeroplanes, that we'll be safe 35,000 feet above the ground, which is slightly insane, really. Um, We put our trust in gravity, believing that we're not going to just float off into outer space. And we put our trust in the sun, that every day it will continue to rise again and again. Then we also put our trust in people. Now this is harder just because people, especially if we've had experiences where people have let us down or hurt us. And finally, we put our trust in God. Now putting our trust in God is both easier and harder than putting our trust in anything else. On the one hand, he is the creator of the universe. He knows all, sees all, can do the impossible, sees the end from the beginning. And above all else, he loves us. And what could be more trustworthy than that? However, it's also really hard to trust God because we cannot see him. And it's hard to trust in something we can't see with our physical eyes. And it's especially hard to trust a God who's not in our control. Now, he's not like Bruce Almighty where you pray a prayer and he goes, right, done. 
It's, he's not in our control. We can't just bring our every whim to him. He's not a vending machine. He doesn't meet, um, we cannot control him, we cannot force him, and we cannot, cannot tame him to do our bidding. And as creatures who like to be in control and get what we want, that can be really hard. It can be really hard to trust God, especially when life is hard and we're going through challenges and when life isn't the way we want it to, want it to be. Um, and the psalm we're looking at today is Psalm 62, where King David wrestles with this idea of trusting God from a place of hardship. So he says, truly my soul, I mean, feel free to get out your Bibles or whatever to follow me, um, but it says, truly my soul finds rest in God, my salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation, he is my fortress, I will never be shaken. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honour depend on God. He is my mighty rock and my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you peoples. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Surely the lowborn are but a breath, the highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. Show of hands, please. Who here has, at some point in their life, struggled to trust God? That's quite a few. Uh, Me too. So um, (laughs) it always seems to be that when I'm due to do a talk, God takes me through an experience um, related to said talk. Um, So two months ago, I quit my job as a police officer, which was a challenging decision, but it was the right one at the time. And I thought, I'll get a job like that, it'll be fine. So there's a little bit of arrogance in there. Um, And then six weeks into looking for jobs, I hadn't found anything, and I was getting quite stressed. By this point, um, my, my life was not going according to what I wanted. You know, I'd wanted to like, get a job, then get a flat and you know, just get on with my life and everything had just kind of come to this standstill and I was getting quite worried about money. And um, eventually, thankfully, six weeks into applying for jobs, I got some temporary work, which is, gr- which is great, sorry. Um, and I still don't have anything permanent at this point. I'm not where I want to be right now. Um, but I'm learning actually that from this experience, God's actually teaching me to live more in the moment. He's teaching me that every day he provides what I need for that day and that he doesn't leave me or forsake me where I am. And actually it's teaching me a lot, it's teaching me about being present. It's in some ways, it's released some of the financial, um, some of the hold that finance had over me, like this need to have money, this need to save, feels like it's been lifted slightly and I'm just so grateful to have work. Like, you don't realise until you don't have work how grateful and how blessed you are to have an income. Um, So I've learned in that experience that God does provide, even if it's at the very last minute sometimes. Um, 
So when writing Psalm 62, David writes from a place of struggle where others are persecuting him, um, where people are lying to him and hurting him. And some people have said that it's when his son Absalom had betrayed him. Um, There isn't anything concrete about that, but what we do understand is that he's going through some rough time while he's writing it. And he's fighting to trust God and find rest in him as everything spirals out of his control. And like I said, this is what we as humans, we cannot abide. We want to be control. We want to control how our lives look. We want what we want, and we want it now. We want this job, this house, this partner, these friends. We want our church to look this way. We want our God to behave this way, and he doesn't. And I think... We trust, if when God doesn't give us exactly what we want when we want it, we become depressed, ungrateful, and we tend to try and take things into our own hands, believing that we have a better idea of what is good for our lives rather than the one who created us. And um, it's a bit like a printer deciding that it wants to be an aeroplane or a washing machine. It thinks that that's actually what it should be when its creator knows exactly what it's supposed to be and how it will function best. And um, God knows what's best for us. And like Tim said a few weeks ago, he wants to, God actually wants to give us what we want. We want life to the full, peace and joy. And actually that is something he wants to give us. He wants to give us good things. He is a good father. But getting these things might not happen the way we think it will. Peace and joy and fullness of life doesn't come in a specific house or family or job or lots of nice holidays a year. That's not... That's not real. Like only he can bring that absolute peace and joy that we so deeply crave. And we only have to look at celebrities who take their own lives after having everything to understand that it's not enough for us. And in this psalm, goodness, I'm going to go into water. Um, In this psalm, David says, Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Where is our hope? Are we marked by trust or by independence? And it's interesting how the American dollar has in God we trust written on it when we are far more likely to trust in our dollar and our money, pound, whatever, than we do in God. Our tendency is to pour our hearts into our riches and our possessions, not realising that these things will fail and that they won't fully support us in the end. And if we put our hearts into those things and they disappear, we are left completely bereft. According to an Oxford University study, there were more than 10,000 suicides linked to the economic crisis between 2008 and 2010, demonstrating how putting our hope and our lives into anything fallible like money is a huge mistake. Failing to trust God and trying to maintain control of our own lives, putting our trust into other things, can also lead to compromise and disobedience. Like I said, when we don't understand that actually being in line with his, with, with his will is what's best for us, we try and take it in our own, into our own hands. And it's very tempting. It's like, if I say, tell this little lie on my tax form, I could go on a better holiday this year. Or I'm not getting, my partner isn't really stroking my ego enough. So if I go out with this person who I know fancies me, that'll make me feel a lot better. That'll give me what I need rather than trusting that the partner will, is the right one and who God's called them to. 
Not trusting God leads us into very dark places, especially when we try and do things our own way. And we believe that we're owed a nice life and that it's God's duty to provide. And if he doesn't, we'll go get it ourselves. And I'm not saying that we sit back and do nothing when we want something. What I am saying is we have to be sure that we are in line with the word of God when we, when we do different things and not compromise his word. So um, I'm single. I would like to be married by now. And this is not an indication for all you middle-aged women to go out and find me a husband. I don't want to meet your second cousin's son. Um, <laughs> um, I, I hope that one day I'll be married and I trust that if it's in God's plan, I will be. Um, but I trust that if I don't get married, he will give me fullness of life in my singleness. And that it is... <laughs> um, and that it's not less than, it's not... Um, inadequate, that it is worth as much as anything else because of what he can do in me. And the danger of these sorts of situations is, for me, I believe I want to date a Christian man. That is what I believe God is calling me to. I don't want to compromise. I don't want to look outside the church for my husband, even though that would be so easy because, you know, it's a bigger sea with more fish in it. It's like, <laughs> um, it's, it would be easy to do that but it is not God's best for me and I will not look outside, even if I want to. Um, but it's not easy. To trust God is not a fluffy or flippant concept. It's a raw emotion. It can be painful, trying and testing. It can blister, hurt and shape you. But it also grows us. It flourishes us and it draws us into the arms of our Father in a way that nothing else can. Trusting God does not presume that God will intervene. It does not mean security or sanctuary from evil. We do not believe in the lie of the prosperity gospel that says that if we give a certain amount of money, speak positively and just believe, only good things are going to come our way. It's not the Bible. Jesus said that we would have suffering, but that he would never leave us. And that is the truth of it. Um, and when I realised... I was speaking on this topic, I actually reached out to Alan Kendall, who, whose wife Anne is currently suffering with pancreatic cancer. I asked him if he'd be willing for me to share something of his current journey with trusting God through what is possibly one of the hardest things you ever have to go through. And he said, it's incredibly difficult watching someone you love fall seriously ill. At times I'm just holding on to Jesus by my fingertips. I can feel very scared and some nights are very hard. We both get through this by playing worship songs. We have a playlist of songs, many suggested by friends, and we read certain passages of scripture and prayers. Again, so many given by our friends. We try to balance the scientific facts that this, science, this cancer is incurable, whilst balancing the truth that Jesus is Lord and that he is more than able to heal and able to do more than we can ask or imagine. For the most part, we're peaceful and trusting in God, but at times I can feel very alone. We both really appreciate the encouragement and care from our friends and family, and we also understand that the ultimate miracle is that we are saved and promise that God will be with us for eternity. So we're trying to get eternity into our heads and hearts. Bill Johnson said that the thing about being a person of faith and trust is not that we ignore a problem's existence, we just deny a place of primary influence. 
Trusting God does not ignore the pain of reality. It adds him to the equation. And when we add him to the equation, we find the peace that doesn't make sense, the peace that surpasses understanding that is supernatural, even when we're in the hardest of times. And it's all well and easy to trust God, but it's not something you can strain to do. You can't just try harder with trust. It's like growing a muscle. And challenges in life are actually part of the way that we grow the muscle of trusting God. When I was struggling with my job situation recently, a few people told me, just trust God with it. And they're hot, like, they were totally right. You know, trust God, absolutely. But it's a bit like saying to someone who suffers from anxiety, just don't be nervous about it. Or someone who has a phobia of spiders, just hold it, you'll be fine. It doesn't, words can't necessarily get right, cut right through to the heart of the issue. It's not a quick solution and we need more. We need more than just words in these situations that we're in. And um, as we sort of draw to a close, let's look at three ways that can help us to grow our trust in God. Number one, be real, not like the app. Um, (laughs) In the psalm we read earlier, David said, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Don't cover up how you feel with God. In times of trial and learning to trust him, we have to be honest with him and ourselves. We have to let go of the need to hurry through to being like, you know, God's on it. Um, It's no good saying to him, it's no good saying to yourself, this is really hard, but you're good, but you're good. Like, it's okay. Like, I'm not going to pretend, I'm going to pretend things are fine because I don't want to offend you. It's no good. Um, We have to engage with what's really going on. Um, And it's okay to feel anger when things just don't feel like they're going your way and things are hard. And the Psalms teach us about handling and praying our rage. So recently with the whole job situation, I got quite desperate and I I challenged God. I got a, a little bit mad and I said to him, you are supposed to be my provider and you haven't failed me yet, so what is happening? What is going on? Where is my provision? And it sounds awful and irreverent when I say it now, and I'm not saying we should be so blasé with God that we forget that he is almighty, but what I am saying is that he is also our father, and he already knows what we're thinking and feeling, so in some ways, actually being honest with him is more for our benefit, and opening that kind of dialogue with him and saying what's, like asking him what's going on. We have to bring the pain honestly. We can't fake it with him. And um, in Psalm 13, David writes, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and have every day with sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love and my heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord for he has been good to me. So this psalm shows us that we take the time to be honest. We bring our complaints to God. But once we've done that, we move on to the next step. We trust in his unfailing love and rejoice in his salvation. We take time to remember. So first of all, we be real with God. And then secondly, we remember. In Psalm 62, David repeats to himself that God is his salvation. God is his fortress. He goes over and over again, again and again. And the, um, the ancient Israelites struggled to trust God. And they, you know, they saw the Red Sea parted. They saw insane miracles to the point where we're all like, well, if I saw that, I'd never not trust God again. 
But when they got to the desert, Moses went up a mountain for 40 days and they got so bored and fed up, they went and worshipped two calves instead, completely forgetting everything he'd ever done for them. And you'll notice then through the Old Testament, um, there's lots of stories and songs and reminders where they say, this is what God did in the past, this is what he can do again. This is what he did in the past, this is what he can do again. And this is what we have to start doing in our own lives. Um, We need to remember, we need to remind ourselves of his past faithfulness. We need to write down what he has done for us and for people around us so that when things come tough, become tough, we can look back on those things. And that's one of the things that's kept me going over the last sort of two months with this job situation is he's never left me without money. There's always been some kind of provision, even if it's not been how I expected it. And in some ways, that's quite an adventure of building relationship with him as we trust him for what we need on a daily basis. And even if he doesn't answer our prayers, if he doesn't provide, there is still, he still brings something to us. So when I went through heartbreak a few years ago, he didn't answer my prayer and make it all work out. And I was in a really bad place. But I found a peace and joy that didn't make any sense to me. And in some ways, that season is one of the most precious times in my life because I had this closeness with him because I had nowhere else to turn. And sometimes what he does is he brings us to our knees so that we have to come to him and find our fullness of joy. Um, And above all, we need to remember the most important thing, that he loved us enough to die for us and that we'll be with him for eternity where there'll be no tears, no regrets, and peace and joy forevermore. So we've got number one, be real with God. Number two, remember what he's done. And number three, be with him, abide in him. It's like I said, when I went through that really difficult time, it was the times I spent on my face worshipping even as the words caught in my throat and I didn't believe what I was singing. But as I powered through in those seasons, I found that peace, which made no sense at all. And I found my courage and joy through dwelling in him. Trust comes out of relationship. We trust our friends and family because we know who they are and what they've done for us. And Tim said a few weeks ago that when we speak about peace and joy, it can only come out of God, not us. And it's the same with trust. The more we focus and dwell in God, the more we are able to trust him. Brennan Manning said, we must pay attention to Jesus, focusing on his kindnesses. My trust in God flows out of his experience of his loving me day in and day out, whether the day is stormy or fair, whether I'm in sickness or in good health whether I'm in a state of grace or disgrace, he comes to me where I live and loves me as I am. And trust gives us an opportunity to draw close to the love of God away from all the noise and the distractions of the world. And it's only when we have to wrestle with the why and this isn't how it's supposed to be that we come to a deeper place of intimacy. Only in this place do we find true fullness of life. True, deep, unspeakable joy comes from him. It doesn't come from Netflix. It doesn't come from family. It doesn't come from sport. It doesn't come from your job, from your holidays, or anywhere else. It doesn't come from food, new clothes, or music. There is only one place where our hope is found, and that is Christ alone. And in him, we trust. In the love of Christ, here we place our trust. In Christ alone, our hope is found. He is our light, our strength, our song. He is our cornerstone, our solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease. 
our comforter, our all in all. Here in the love of Christ we stand.